Chapter Twelve of Joan Thursday by Lewis Joseph Vance. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. On that day, when she discovered the disappearance of John Matthias, Joan left the house later than had been her wont, and returned earlier, after a faint-hearted and abortive attempt to interview the stage manager of a new musical production, then being assembled to rehearse against an early opening in the autumn. The deans were out. She had no place to go other than to her bare and lonely room, and she felt uncommonly helpless and friendless subconsciously she had been holding in reserve as a last hope an appeal to the generosity of matthias he was a playwright an intimate of managers surely he would be able to suggest something no matter how poorly paid or inconspicuous now with the date of his return indefinite she felt unjustly bereft of that last resource she spent two weary wretched hours on her bed harassed by a singularly fresh and clear perception of her unfitness for the first time made conscious that she had actually possessed no reasonable excuse for her determination to go on the stage her qualifications which hitherto might have been expressed according to her own estimate by the algebraic x now assumed a value only to be indicated by a cipher she had a good strong voice it's true but no ear whatever for music she didn't know steps maisie's term denoting ability for eccentric dancing and of the art of acting she was completely ignorant in fact her theatrical ambitions had been founded more upon need of money than upon any real or fancied passion for the stage other girls had done likewise and bettered themselves joan knew no reason why she should fall short of their enviable achievements but she was innocent of dramatic feeling and even of any real yearning for applause only her looks of which she was confident were to be counted upon to carry her beyond the stage doors she thought of her home of her mother her father edna and butch with a dull and temperate regret since that first afternoon she had never attempted to revisit them and she felt now no inclination toward returning still her thoughts yearned back to the miserable flat as to an assured shelter there at least she had been safe from rude weather and positive hunger as things were with her another week would find her destitute but there was still the chance that something would turn up within that week she felt almost sure that something would turn up in this incurable optimism resided almost her sole endowment for the career of an actress this and a certain dogged temper which wouldn't permit her to acknowledge defeat until every possible expedient had been explored toward evening she heard footsteps on the stairs to her surprise they paused by her door upon which fell a competent knock jumping up from her bed in a flurry she answered to find quard on the threshold no one had been farther from her thoughts she stared agape and speechless hello miss thursday said the actor genially can i come in he entered cast a comprehensive glance round the poor little room deposited his hat upon the bed and himself beside it leaving the door open and murmuring some inarticulate response joan turned back to her one chair hope i don't intrude 
cord rattled on cheerfully the girl told me the deans was out and you in so i took a chance and said i'd come right up i i'm sorry maisie isn't home stammered the girl i ain't quard's eyes looked her over with open admiration i didn't want to see either of em really what i wanted was a little confab with you with me surest thing you know i want to talk business i don't guess you've landed anything yet joan shook her head blankly well i got a little proposition to make you you know that sketch i wrote and you liked so much the other night yes well i got a hold of schneider yesterday and read it to him and he says he can get me four or five weeks booking at least if i can put it over at the tryout how does that strike you why i'm glad joan faltered still mystified it must be fun to get something to do well i haven't got it yet and of course maybe i won't get it one of the first things you gotta learn in this business is never spend your pay envelope till you got it in your mitt and in this case a lot depends on you i don't get you joan returned frankly what have i got to do with it quard smiled indulgently offered her a cigarette which she refused and lighted one for himself if i can't get you to play the woman's part he said spurting twin jets of smoke through his nostrils it's all up unless i can hitch up with someone else just like you you mean you want me too to act right the very first time out of the box you know it's this way with these cheap houses they can't afford to pay much for a turn even a good one and this one of ours is going to be about as bum as any act that ever broke through take that from me so it's up to me to find somebody who'll work with me for little enough money to leave something for myself after i've squared up with the agent and stagehands and all that you make me now yes but i haven't any experience that's just it if you had i couldn't afford you but you gotta start sometime and it won't do you no harm to get wise to what little i can teach you now the most i can count on dragging down for this act is sixty a week i want twenty-five of that for myself fifteen more will fix the agent and the rest that leaves twenty for you it ain't much but it's a long sight better than nothing but how do you know i can do it that'll be all right i know all about acting anyway i know enough to show you how to put across anything you'll have to do in this piece now how about it why i'll be glad good enough now here i've had this dope typewritten and here's your copy let's run through it now and tonight you can start in learning Tomorrow we'll have a rehearsal, and just as soon as we got our lines, Pat, we'll let Schneider have a pipe at it. Don't worry, it ain't going to be hard. Thus reassured, but still a trifle dubious, Joan accepted a duplicate of the manuscript, and composed herself to follow, to the best of her ability, Quard's second reading. This time he took less pains with his enunciation, scanned the lines more rapidly, and frequently interrupted himself in order to explain a trick of stagecraft or to detail with genuine gusto some bit of business which he counted upon to prove especially telling in consequence of this exposition joan acquired a much clearer understanding of the nature of the sketch it concerned two persons only a remarkably successful stage dancer to be played by joan her convict husband fresh from the penitentiary 
by quard scene the dressing-room of the dancer time just after the dancer's turn joan discovered on informs the audience of her fortunate circumstances through the medium of a brief soliloquy enter quard shambling gait convict pallor etc to inform her that she has been living in the lap of luxury during the eight years that he has been serving time i'm going to have my share now comedy business humorously brutal attitude toward wife slangy description of prison life they'll simply eat that up quard more comedy business involving a gratuitous box of property cigars and a cuspidor suddenly and without shadow of excuse husband accuses wife of infidelity indignant denials wife exhibits portrait of child born after commitment of husband and of whose existence he has heretofore been ignorant it was for him i fought my way to the top of the ladder he has your eyes incontinently husband experiences change of heart kisses photograph snuffles into cap crushed between hands slabbers over wife's hand refuses her offer of assistance announces he will go west to make a man of myself before returning to claim his wife and child and the curtain falls upon him in the act of going out all broken up of course quart admitted it's bunk stuff but we can put it across all right i'm going to call it the convict's return and bill it as by charles darcy and company you'll be the company i don't want to use my name because it ain't gonna do me any good to have it known i've taken to this craft and if i'm lucky no one's going to spot me through my make-up suddenly apprised by the failing light that the hour was growing late he pocketed the manuscript and rose come on out and eat business dinner we'll talk things over and i'll fetch you home early so as you can start getting up on your lines they dined again at the italian boarding-house or drank but sparingly considerably to the relief of joan she was home by half-past eight her head buzzing with her efforts to remember all he had told her and sat up till three in the morning conning the inhuman speeches of her part until she had them by rote no very wonderful accomplishment considering that the sketch was to play less than fifteen minutes and that two-thirds of its lines were to be delivered by quard but once with head on pillow it was not her role that she remembered but the man his coarsely musical tones his eloquent white hands the overt admiration that shone in his eyes whenever he forgot his sketch and remembered momentarily joan the woman she felt sure he liked her and she liked him well of the merits of his enterprise she knew nothing but he had succeeded in inspiring her with confidence that he knew what he was about she drifted off into sleep comforted by the conviction that she had found a friend by the time of her return from breakfast the next morning quard was waiting for her at the lodging-house he had already arranged with madame duprat for the use of the front parlour for rehearsals pending its release to some fortuitous tenant and here he proceeded to work out the physical action of the sketch his gratitude to joan for knowing her part was almost affecting he himself was by no means familiar with his own and her prompt response to cues he read from manuscript facilitated his task considerably when they adjourned for luncheon 
he announced himself persuaded that they would be ready to open within a week within that period joan learned many things she was a tractable and docile student keen set to profit by the scraps of dramatic chicanery which formed the major part of quard's stage intelligence he himself had a very fair memory and had been drilled by more than one competent stage director whose instructions had stuck in his mind forming a valuable addition to his professional equipment joan soon learned to speak out clearly to infuse some little semblance of human feeling into several of her turgid lines to suffer herself to be dragged by one wrist round the room on her knees by the romantical convict to time her actions by mental counting to feed lines to her partner in a rapid patter through the passages of putative comedy she learned also to answer to dearie as to her given name and to submit to being handled in a way she did not like but which from all that she could observe was considered neither familiar nor objectionable as being people of the stage and she learned furthermore that may dean's opinion of the venture was never to be drawn beyond a mildly derisive my god while maisie's ran to the sense that it was all a chance and joan a little fool if she didn't grab it and anyway joan was old enough to take care of herself with charlie quard or any man living and it was maisie who was responsible for insisting that joan wheedle in advance of ten dollars from quard ostensibly toward the purchase of costume and makeup but when this had been successfully negotiated the dancers advised joan to save it against an emergency and between them provided her with an outfit composed of cast-offs a black satin decollete bodice an accordion pleated short skirt of the period of eighteen ninety wear-proof silk stockings a pair of broken-down satin slippers with red heels a japanned tin makeup box with a broken lock and a generous supply of cheap grease-paint and cold-cream joan's debut occurred within the time limit set by quard and before an audience of two not counting a few grinning stagehands the two were the agent schneider and the manager of a small moving-picture house in the twenty-third street shopping district on the half-lighted stage of which their triad took place at half-past ten of a rainy and disheartening morning the judges sat in the darkened auditorium staring apathetically and chewing large cigars joan though a little self-conscious was not at all nervous and remembered her lines perfectly better than this she looked very fetching indeed in her makeshift costume cord forgot several of his speeches floundered all over the stage and in a frantic effort to redeem himself clowned his part outrageously nevertheless they were engaged convinced of their failure joan had only succeeded in removing her makeup and struggling into her shabby street clothing when quard knocked at the door of her dressing-room he had played without makeup and consequently had been able to catch the manager and agent before they could escape lounging in the doorway he breathed a spirit of congratulation strongly tainted with fumes of whiskey we're on he declared exultantly what i tell you you needn't have changed because we're going to stick here and open to-day one of the turns on this week's bill fell down at the last minute and so we caught this chance to fill in we go on after the first films about a quarter of one and then at four thirty seven thirty ten forty five 
now what do you know about that joan gulped and shook her head her eyes a little misty for the first time she began to perceive that she had counted desperately on success i think we're awful lucky she said faintly lucky nothing i knew i could get away with it always providing i had you to play up to me that's right after we'd fixed things up i took schneider down to the corner and bought him a drink he said i don't know as i ought to tell you this but anyway he said this sketch was punk god knows it is and never would have gone if it hadn't been for you he said all the women would go crazy about you you'd got the prettiest shape he'd seen in a month of sundays you know they get most of their afternoon houses from the women choppers down here he paused and after a moment added meditatively of course you can't act for chucks joan looking down said nothing quard dropped a hand intimately across her shoulder and infused a caressing note into his voice i guess i'm a little bad guesser eh dearie joan stood motionless for an instant his hand seemed as if a fire as if burning through her shirtwaist the flesh of her shoulder and she resented passionately the intimacy of his tone of a sudden she shook his hand off and moved a pace or two away let me alone she said sullenly quard started and jerked out a eh, what i said let me alone she repeated in the same manner looking him steadily in the face he coloured darkly mumbled something indistinguishable and flashed into a short-lived fit of temper what's the matter with you anyway he demanded hotly nothing she replied quietly only i don't want to be pawed no he exclaimed with sarcasm is that straight yes that's straight and so am i recollecting himself quard attempted to carry off his discomfiture with a shrug and a laugh oh all right don't get huffy i didn't mean anything i know you didn't but don't do it again he turned out into the corridor hesitated well let it go at that can't you all right she said sulkily you let it go at that quard tramped off without saying anything more and whatever his resentment and disappointment schooled himself to control them and met her halfway to a reconciliation when the approaching hour of their first public appearance brought them together in the wings and by this time joan had been sufficiently diverted by other experiences to have regained her normal poise the dingy stuffy and evil-smelling dressing-room to which she had been assigned had suffered an invasion of three other women two worn and haggard clog dancers and a matronly ballad singer who having donned an excessively soiled but showy evening-gown had settled down calmly to her knitting an occupation which had interfered not in the least with her flow of animated and not unkindly gossip joan gathered that her voice was the main support of a small family consisting of a shiftless husband and three children for the younger of them of whom the mother was knitting a pair of small pink booties these last had immediately enlisted the sympathetic interest of the clog dancers one of whom boasted of the precocity of her only child a boy of eight living with his grandmother in omaha while the other told simply of the death of two children due to neglect on the part of those to whom she had been obliged to entrust them while on the road joan was the first to reach the entrance to the dingy kitchen set 
which was to figure as a star dressing-room for the purposes of their sketch and for the purposes of subsequent offerings as the drawing-room of a mansion on fifth avenue and the palm-room of a fashionable hotel about ten times the size of any dressing-room ever constructed it was still atmospherically cheerless and depressing she looked it over momentarily to make sure that the various simple properties were in place and turned to find quard approaching beneath the jaunty assurance which even his hang-dog make-up couldn't wholly disguise she was able to detect traces of some uneasiness and anxiety it was a fact that he had grown a trifle afraid of her the discovery impressed her as so absurd that she smiled and instantly the man was himself again he thrust out a hand to which with covert reluctance she entrusted her own all right now he asked cheerfully she nodded all right good enough let's see what kind of a house we've got he found a peephole near the proscenium arch and peered intently through it for a moment or two then beckoned joan to take his place but she could make but little of what seemed a dark well filled with flickering shadows she turned away only a handful out there quard assured her it's too early for much of a crowd no good getting nervous about this bunch i'm not she asserted quietly and she wasn't no less to her own surprise than to quard's she was conscious of no trace of the stage fright she had heard so much about indeed a singular feeling of indifference and disappointment oppressed her it was all so unlike what she had looked forward to as the setting for her first appearance in public the dreary and tawdry atmosphere behind the scenes of the dilapidated little theatre the weary and subdued accents in which her dressing-room associates had discussed their offspring the tinkle 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 wang of a painfully automatic piano in the orchestra pit her own shabby second-hand costume the brutal grotesqueness of quard's painted countenance at close range these owned little in common with those anticipations roused by the glitter and glamour of that fleshy show on the new york theatre roof garden she felt cheated in perspective even the stocking counter seemed less uninviting a muffled outbreak of laughter and brief murmur of applause filtered through the curtain the piano stopped with a crash quard nodded and touching her elbow urged her toward the entrance film's finished ready and steady old girl i'm all right she said sullenly don't you worry about me she heard the curtain rise with a rustling as of mighty wings penetrated by the shrill squeal of an ungreased block held back a moment and walked on into a dazzling glare of footlights conscious of no emotion whatever beyond desire to get finished with her part and return to the dressing-room at the designated spot near the centre of the stage she paused faced the audience with her trained smile and mouthed the opening lines with precisely the proper intonation the curtain fell at length amid a few scattering hand-claps that sounded much like faint-hearted firecrackers exploding at a distance joan rose from the chair in which she had been seated in a posture simulating abandonment to tears of joy and walked soberly off the stage barely anticipating a few stage-hands who rushed on to make the changes necessary for the next act quard was waiting for her well he said it didn't go so bad did it no she agreed listlessly 
anyhow they didn't throw things at us no she endeavored to smile with indifferent success i got a lot more laughs with that spittoon business than i thought i would he continued thoughtfully as they turned back toward the dressing-rooms joan made no reply but when she stopped at the door of her dressing-room cord added tentatively anyway it beats clerking in a department store doesn't it with some hesitation she replied i don't know End of chapter 12